Hey, so stoked that you guys are here. Hey, if you have your Bibles, open to uh, James chapter 1. If you got your Bibles, open to James uh, chapter 1. If you're new to reading the Bible, that is in the, it's in the New Testament. Um, we'll have it on the Sky Bible if you don't have your phone or a physical Bible. Hey, I want to say welcome. If you're brand new, maybe you've never been to church before, um, maybe you've never been to our church, thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us. Seriously, um, the fact that you chose to spend some of your time with us is so awesome, and we so, so, so appreciate that you would come and spend some of your time with us. One of our favorite things in the world is meeting new people. We like to welcome our new people every single week by saying, <clears throat> we're here to build you up, not love it. I love you. We love you. Thanks so much for coming and hanging out. So tonight, we're kicking off a brand new series entitled The Book of Jim. Everyone shout, Jim. Yeah. The book. I don't even know what this is, guys. This looks, this looks like, a, like a part of a straw hat. I did see a cowboy in here somewhere, so I'm like, where? He's chewing on his straw during worship, said, no, not no more. I'm done. We're, st we're kicking off a series entitled The Book of Jim. Um, I'm really excited about this series because I think that like this series is really going to be one where together as a family, as a community, we are going to grow together. We're going to be challenged together. The book of Jim, it is motivating, it is captivating, but it is challenging. It is straightforward. Jim is the friend that just tells you how it is. Um, I absolutely love the book of James. One of the things that we're doing in this series, if, if you're not already on this, and I saw a bunch of people posting about um, reading chapter one. So what we're going to do, there, there's five short chapters in the book of, wow, I'm already 12 minutes over my time. If you guys can reset that for me, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, we'll be here all night, you guys. Um, so really, though, but tonight, um, as I preach at you for the next four and a half hours, um, in my dreams, uh, um, tonight what we're doing is, uh, and, and throughout this whole series, is we're approaching one chapter a week every week. And so this week we're approaching chapter one, and many of you have already read James chapter one. And so if you haven't, no worries. Uh, you'll actually have, because of the way our schedule is working out with next week being worship and prayer night, this week being service takeover on Sunday, we'll actually have another week for you to catch up and read chapter one. So that by the time we get to connect groups, you guys can like bring like your questions, your ideas, your thoughts, the stuff that have stood out to you in chapter one. You can bring that into connect groups because our first question every week of this series in connect groups is going to be, what stood out? Do you have any questions about James chapter one or chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, whatever week that we're on? So really what's happening is we're all going to kind of together on our own um, at home, at coffee shops, at school, at lunchtime, we're going to be reading a um, a chapter. We're going to be reading one chapter, and then come Wednesday night, uh, I'm going to kind of visit some highlight reel moments from that chapter. So that's what's happening, and tonight we're going into chapter one. This is the book of Jim, part one, and so we're going to be getting into that tonight, but first, um, let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about who, who was James, because James is a guy that's going to come, and he's going to uh, James is going to come and he's going to kind of like give us some challenges, some motivation. He, he, I'm just going to tell you from the forefront, he's going to tell us like how to live our Christian lives, okay? He's going to correct you. He's going to correct me. He is going to uh, straight up like bring conviction into our life. He's going to show us some inner parts of our lives that need to change. So if someone's going to come and bring that type of stuff into our lives, we should probably know who they are, right? Like, you ever have a substitute teacher that tries to walk in your classroom and tell you what to do, and you're like, third grade, you're like, I don't know you. 
try to tell me, I don't know where Miss Foster went, but you're not her. Like, I don't know where Miss Neptune went, but you're not her. Like, get, don't try to tell me. So well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just right now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a biography of what we know about James. For some of you, this, is, this will be really important. You'll want to write some of this stuff down. So if you didn't know, James, the author of this book, um, he was the half-brother of Jesus. Yes, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He was the half-brother of Jesus. He was related to Jesus. So already you're like, I want to hear what this guy has to say. If you, are, if you are Jesus' brother, you grew up with Jesus, you already want to know what this guy has to say. Um, also, James, uh, he was a prominent leader in the very first Christian community. He was basically like the lead pastor of the very first Christian church in Jerusalem in the first century. So again, you're like, wow, he was literally like what we're doing today. He led the very first one of these back in the first century. Um, James also, um, get this, this is crazy. James, you know, James didn't even believe in Jesus, his own brother. He didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah, didn't believe Jesus who was he said he was until Jesus died and resurrected like is that not crazy like your own brother it's Jesus and you're like nah I don't believe it right like that was James and so here's what I like about that if you're in this place and you're like well I don't believe in Jesus awesome we're literally reading a book written by a guy just like you you didn't know that there are people like you who wrote books in the Bible but we're now approaching a book that a guy like that wrote um, James he was not one of the original 12 disciples. So you would think as, as Jesus is picking the 12 guys who are going to be his, his go-tos, that one of the first would be his brother, right? But he wasn't one of the original. There's, there's very, very, very few people. A few people think that James was one of the original 12 disciples. There's actually two disciples that were named James. Um, one of them was James, the son of Zebedee. Zebedee is a great name if you're looking for future names for a kid. Uh, Zebedee, James, son of Zebedee. And then there's another James that was commonly known as James the Less. Now, that like, sounds like low-key, like really messed up, but really it was more like saying uh, Big James and Little James. And Little James, some people believe Little James was James, the brother of Jesus. But we now know from New Testament scholars, it probably wasn't. James was somebody else entirely. But James the less, get this, the only time we ever hear from James the less in the entire Bible, four times in the New Testament, but it's only when we're given the list of names of the disciples. It's like, James, what were you up to then? I'm going to get to heaven and find whoever James the less is and be like, bro, like, what were you doing? Like, what was your job assignment that we didn't hear from you at all through all of Jesus' ministry? Were you like, were you like the, the, you were like the fashion coordinator, right? Like, you were the one that's like, okay, Jesus, you're going to wear this tunic with these sandals. In 2,000 years, they're going to call them Burks, but right now, you're just going to wear these instead of trend. Like, what did you do, James the Less? But it probably was not him. We're almost certain that James, the brother of Jesus, was not one of the original 12 disciples. James, um, another fact about him, he was martyred, which means he was killed, he was murdered for his faith. And James is straight up the dude who tells you how it is. You only got a friend that doesn't sugarcoat stuff. They'll just tell you how it is. Hey, you got a piece of spinach in your teeth. You're like, you could have just told me in my ear, and now the whole room knows, but thank you, I appreciate that, right? Like, you're like, I, I like... 
First of all, you're not a good friend if someone has something in their teeth and you don't tell them. You're a bad friend. Tell them, but you don't have to shout it from the rooftops in front of everybody. But James is the friend that does shout it from the rooftops in front of everybody and just tells you how it is. That's him. Also, really quick fun fact, James' name uh, in the Hebrew to the Greek to English, we translated it as James, but it was probably actually more directly translated as Jacob. His name was probably actually Jacob. So we're going to get to heaven one day, and James might be like, guys, it should have been the book of Jake, okay? Not the book of Jim. My name is Jacob. And it's a parallel to the guy Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's why his name is Jacob. And he wrote this whole book that we're about to read to the 12 tribes of Israel, which Jacob was a leader of, the tri of some of the tribes of Israel. So that's some of the parallels. That is James. That is Jim, half-brother of Jesus, dude that died for his faith, the leader of the first one of these in the history of the Christian church, a dude that we definitely want to hear from. Is anybody else excited to read this awesome letter? All right. We're going to dig into part of it. We're going to read uh, James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand in the honor of reading of God's word? People died, including James, to get us this word. And so we're going to read this. Just so you know, this, this book in the Bible, I know some of you, um, some of us are more familiar with the Bible than others. Many of us who, who maybe haven't had much experience with the Bible, um, we think of the Bible as completely narrative, meaning it's just a bunch of stuff telling stories. But actually, there's a bunch of stuff in the Bible, this being one of them, that are, that are actually letters. They're letters to people. Now, you guys don't know what letters are because you just send text messages and Snapchats, but letters are things that people used to write on paper and hand in class classroom, and then the teacher would catch you and read it in front of the whole class, okay? So this is a letter that James wrote um, to the 12 tribes of, of believers that were scattered throughout the world, and we're going to kick off here in verse number two of chapter one. You guys ready? Come on, you guys ready for God's word? Does anybody else have a paper Bible that is already all marked up and highlighted and written in and all this? Who's got, their, who's got their glowing Bibles, the phone Bibles, charged and ready to go? You got on the guest Wi-Fi? Thanks for clogging up the router. We appreciate it. If not, we're going to have it up on the screens for you guys. Here we go. Chapter 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. We just got off to a really awkward start. James just said, when life sucks... Smile real big. James, okay, bro, like, what have you been smoking, man? Come on, like, this makes no sense. What? He goes on and he says, for you know, so he's now giving you the reason why you can have joy in the midst of all the junk. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance, everyone shout endurance. Yeah. So I'm talking about has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect. Everyone say perfect. perfect. And complete, needing what? Needing nothing. Let's pray. Really, really long and spiritual prayer. God, speak to us tonight and bring Spider-Man back to the MCU. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Um, I like to, uh, when I preach, and, and, and it's actually, like, this is so refreshing for me, because, like, I am 
a preacher. Any of you who know me and you're like, that's my pastor, you know like I'm a preacher. I love preaching God's word. I'm passionate about it. Um, and I haven't, pre I haven't been on this platform preaching in a couple weeks, so this is refreshing to me. But, um, but those of you who know me, uh, you know I like to kind of boil down an entire sermon into one sentence because if you're like me and you have ADHD, it's hard for you to pay attention and you'll get to the end of a message and be like, I have no clue what was said, but, but I'm liking the way I feel right now. Like, I like the emotions, but, you know, I don't know what was said. If you take nothing else away, take this, write this down, take notes, you note takers. God loves you more, and so do I. And if you're not taking notes, I pray you find hair in your school lunch for the rest of the year, okay? Then take notes in church. It's on you, not me. Uh, here's what it is. Sermon in a sentence. If you give God everything, he can get you through anything. Come on, somebody. Like, I just know this to be true in my life. Come on, has God been faithful to you in your life? Has he just come through every time for you like he has for me? I really do believe this with my entire heart. If you leave with nothing else, leave with this. If you give God everything, he can get you through anything. Someone say amen. amen. This has nothing to do with the message. Has anyone seen that TikTok of the little sharks? And the one shark is like, this has nothing to do with the message at all. Uh, legitimately nothing. Uh, and the one shark goes, guys, we gotta be careful. Someone around here is possessed by an owl. And the other shark goes, who? And he's all, oh, that's the thing, we don't know. <laughs> Cause he said who? Come on. Uh, okay, back to God's word. Um, hey, what was the most trouble you've ever been in in, in your entire life? Go back to that moment in your mind right now. Like if you gotta close your eyes and imagine, like that moment, your parents just caught you doing the worst thing you've ever done in your life. What is that? Some of you are currently having like a flashback where you're like literally flinching. You're like, Corey, like I've got PTSD from this. Like why would you bring that up, right? Um, I'm gonna tell you one of the times because there's so many of the times I got in so much trouble. So we were a family that grew up like, I, my family did not grow up with money. Like we were on, uh, we were on welfare. We were on what was called WIC and assistive, assisted living and stuff like that. And so for you guys, you guys have this phenomenal blessing from God that rains down from the heavens like manna. It's something called snacks. <laughs> we didn't have, I didn't have that in my house growing up. We didn't have snacks. You had sometimes breakfast, usually lunch, but we always had dinner. That was like me growing up. So there was no room for snacks in the equation of us growing up. One time my mom and, and, and my dad, they're getting ready to go and they're getting ready to go pick up, uh, pick up dinner. And they tell me and my brother, say, hey, Josh, Corey, we're getting ready to go get dinner. We're getting dinner right now. Don't eat anything, okay? Don't eat anything. We're like, okay, cool. They're like, you understand, right? We're getting dinner and we're bringing it back. Don't eat anything. We're like, okay, yeah, no, cool. We won't eat anything. We got it. It's not rocket science. They're like, okay, cool. We'll see you in a little bit. They leave. Literally, they walk out the front door and this was BC. You guys know what BC means? Before Christ. This was Corey's before Christ days. I was not saved. Let me clarify that right now for anyone watching on the podcast that thinks I'm a heretic. No, I was not saved when I said what I'm about to tell you that I said back before I was saved when my parents said, don't eat anything. We're going to pick up dinner. Goodbye. Walk out the door. The door closes. And I look over at my brother. And I go, yo, F mom and dad. But I said the word, okay? Uh, don't judge me, first of all. Like, I could feel your judgment. Don't judge me. Um... And then I proceeded right after that to go in the kitchen 
and I made myself like 57 bowls of cereal in the big Tupperware thing. You know what I'm saying? Like all the bowls of cereal were made. I was eating chips. I was having snacks, but I was doing it the smart way where I ate just like a, like a little bit of each cereal so you couldn't tell that anything was missing. I drank just a tiny bit of each soda so you couldn't tell any of the soda was missing. A little bit of each chips so you couldn't tell any of the chips were missing. I'm like full at this point, you know? Like I just had a buffet. My parents get back and... um. They're like, hey guys, we got dinner. Hey, you guys didn't eat anything, did you? I said, no, no, we didn't eat anything. We sit down, my parents brought back KFC, okay? Uh, they had the biscuits, they had the gravy, they had the mac and cheese, glory to God. Um, they had it all. And so I just get like a tiny bit of stuff and I was the kid that ate so much food. But at this point, I'm full. So I barely pick at anything. I have like three pieces of mac and cheese, half a biscuit and like no chicken, right? And my parents are like, Corey, you're not really eating much you didn't eat anything while we were gone, did you? I said, mom, dad, yeah, I, I honor you as my parents. I would never disobey you in such a crazy, disrespectful way. Uh, no, I'm just not feeling well. And they're like, oh, okay, just making sure you didn't eat. And now they're repeating themselves so much, I'm starting to get paranoid. So now dinner's over, go sit on the couch, we're all chilling, and, and my mom ends up coming out of the, her bedroom, um, maybe 10 minutes later, and she's holding a video camera. <laughs> uh, you remember the part where I said, like, we were broke and we didn't have no money? I'm like, ah, uh, where'd the video camera come from? Let me give you a geographical layout of our, of our house. Imagine we have the living room here and the TV's there. The front door is that way, and you walk this way, and... That way's the kitchen, like I'm standing at the front door. That way's the kitchen, and that way is a hallway that goes straight into my parents' room, which the door was open to their room. The camera was sitting on a pile of laundry covered up by clothes pointing into the kitchen. My parents are psycho, right? And so, so they say, you guys have anything you want to tell us? And I'm like, ah, <clears throat> uh, no, and I'm starting to pray, God, let it be a film camera, and the film is just like defective. Like, let them, like not having ever owned a video camera, accidentally hit pause instead of record. Dear Jesus, if you're real, get me out of this one. They plug it into the TV, they turn on the surround sound system, and they hit play. They say, you sure there's nothing? I'm like, no, and then the thing's doing that like creepy, like buzz roll sound. The Hey guys, you know, we're about to go and get dinner. And it's like, oh, you can hear someone off in the distance talking. We're about to go and get dinner, and, you know, so make sure you don't eat anything, okay? Okay, 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 bye guys, we'll be back soon. And as loud as anything I've ever heard in my whole life, yo, I like was flexing my butt so hard, sitting on the couch, like, dear God, no, please God. You just hear me go, yo! F mom and dad. If I, I tell you, I got hit so bad. The video wasn't even over. All the way through the scene of me eating 57 bowls of cereal and every type of chips that we had, I'm getting beat while watching that. I was in so much trouble. It's ridiculous. What's the most trouble you've ever been in in your life? The most you've ever been in? Now, here's the thing, like a different type of trouble, but like, like trouble is... It's, 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 it's inevitable. There's no way out of trouble, trials, struggles, tribulation. There's no way to avoid it. It's going to happen. 
See, James, he actually writes, did you notice, he says in verse 2, dear brothers and sisters, when, everyone shout when. He said when, not if. When troubles come your way. He didn't say if. Now here's the thing about trouble. If you can have the right perspective, it can be fun getting into trouble. Anyone play trouble, the game, like the board? You guys don't play board games. You ever, you guys, does anybody play board games? There was an old board game called Trouble, and that game was so dope, like the dice weren't regular dice that you throw. It was like this little thing that you hit, and it's like, and the dice bounced around in there, and the theme song was, it's fun getting into trouble. Praise God. It was so sick. That's your first point. Write that down. It's fun getting into trouble. Um... Tonight, like in this portion, we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about trouble and temptation. Consider it pure joy. Another version says it like this. Consider it pure joy when, not if, when you face trials of many kind. Here's the thing. This is crazy. Like, when was the last time, like, your friends, like, stabbed you in the back, gossiped behind your back, everybody left you, you're now sitting at lunch all by yourself every day, and you're like, I am so joyful. It's like, uh, you know, I'm going to go and see Lion King by myself tonight. Praise God. Like, let's be real. This is crazy. And, like, consider it pure joy when you face trials, troubles, struggles of many kind. I don't even consider it pure joy when I face mild annoyances. You know, like, I don't even consider it pure joy when they tell me I got to pay extra for barbecue sauce and ranch. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't even consider it, I don't even consider it pure joy when I say no pickles and they bring it with pickles. I'm like, I'll, I'm with you, Kai Dunn, wherever you're at. Like, if you, if you, I'm going to say, you need to take this back and you need to remake it. And if you bring it back to me and you just took the pickles off, I will taste the pickle sauce on there. Get it out of here. Give me a new burger, right? Like, I don't. I don't even consider it pure joy when, like, the mild annoyance of uh, the Wi-Fi, like, acting all slow, like, whew. You can ask my wife. If my Wi-Fi stops working, if my phone stops working, I flip immediately, like right away. And I'll say this almost every time. Why do I spend all this money on stuff that don't work? I don't even consider it pure joy when I'm trying to uh, roll up to the coffee shop and some jerk with a lifted truck decided to take up two parking spots. Well, I don't care that you have a big old truck with an American flag on the back. Like... You don't get to take two parking spots, okay? I don't even consider it pure joy when I face mild annoyances, let alone trials of many kinds. Trials of many kinds can be so many different things. And here's the thing, uh, James, he knew, James knew a lot about trials. So as he's writing this, no, he's not writing from a place of head knowledge, he's writing from a place of experience. See, James was like a head pastor of a Christian church, the first Christian church in Jerusalem in the first century. This was when a lot of Christians were being persecuted and oppressed. So much so that James ended up being murdered for being a Christian. And this was how. The, these religious leaders, they took James to the top of this tall building. They stood him at the edge of this building and said, denounce your faith and denounce Jesus or we're going to push you off this building. And he wouldn't denounce Jesus. He stood firm, and they pushed him off this really tall building. He hit the floor, but he didn't die. He was just injured. And then, sitting like now at the bottom, injured, they began to throw rocks at him until he died. It was called, they, it was called uh, getting stoned, but not the, that one, like uh, the other stoned, okay? That's how James, that, that was the persecution. Talk about trials and trouble. 
on top of it all, for about the 20 years that, that uh, James led this community, they faced this huge famine, which famine may, meant economic depression, which meant everybody was going to have some serious financial issues. So probably James often faced things like homelessness. It probably was not um, irregular to him. He was probably seeing friends and family members literally starving, not having food to eat. So talk about trouble. Talk about, talk about difficulty. Now, now, kind of parallel, another group of people who knew about troubles, trials, and struggle were these three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and we've, we've talked about these guys over the past couple weeks. Elliot talked about them last week as he did transition for us. And um, I don't have time to dig into the story, but essentially these guys wouldn't worship a fake God, so they had to face the punishment, which was to be thrown into literally like a walk-in oven and be burned to death. Yet when they were thrown in there, the king that threw them in there was like, wait, guys, like, I thought that we threw in three guys who were tied up. Now I see four people walking around free and unbound in that fiery furnace. Like, and the fourth guy looks like a son of God. He's talking about Jesus. And this was before Jesus was even born. It's like, how is that? How is that possible? Wait, wait, so, so take a step back really quick. Where did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego meet Jesus? in the fiery furnace. See, okay, you, you're not getting it. For some of you, you're currently in a fiery furnace season. You are in a season of struggle. You're in the middle of a storm. Your parents are talking about getting a divorce. You guys don't know how you're gonna pay the rent. When I started talking about friends stabbing you in the back, you're like, yep, that's me. I'm going through that right now. When we talk about heartbreak, you're like, that's me. If I were to say the word depression, you would immediately relate to it. Can I just tell you that if you're going through a season like that, that's where God wants to meet with you. You, you, you don't got to like wait for everything to be perfect. Often it is the fiery furnace places that God wants to meet you. And so often what we'll do in those seasons when we're, when we're in a storm, we'll sit there and we'll be like, God, get me out of this. And God's like, no, let me into this. Because if you let me into this season, I'll tell you, I'm going to teach you some stuff. You're going to learn some stuff. You're going to grow. If you endure, you'll end up on the other side of this being what, he, what James calls perfect. Okay, so write that word down, perfect. We're going to visit that word throughout this book because James actually uses this word perfect seven times through the book of James. But here's the thing. For you, uh, especially maybe some of you who've never been to church, you're like, oh, there it is. Uh, the pastor is going to tell us now that we, we have to be perfect. We can never mess up. We can never sin. We can never struggle with anything ever. I just told you a story about how I use the F word to my parents. Okay, that is not what I'm saying. Here, here's what this word perfect means in the original language. It means like to be made whole. It's like wholeness. Have you ever felt like you're like, man, I just feel like something's missing. Oh, you're right. His name's Jesus. And if you endure the trials and the troubles and the struggles of life, you will actually find yourself on the other side of that at a place of wholeness where you're like, now I feel like something's not missing. And this wholeness, it is actually tied to a developing of your integrity. Did you know that it's the hard times that will develop your character? It's not the good times that develop your character. It's the hard times that will develop your character. It's the troubles. It's the struggles. It's the trials. It's the tribulations that will develop your character. Now get this. The fire that was meant to kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's actually the flames that set them free. See, they were supposed to be thrown in here to die, but actually, those flames were the, thing, were the thing that burned up the ropes that were having them bound. 
See, see, you got to realize this. You got to catch this. Um, there is purpose in your pain. Okay, there, there is training in your tragedy. There is, there is a design to that disaster. I've got so many ways that I could say this, you guys. So whoever, like whatever one sticks out to you, you just write it down. There's strategy, God's strategy in the struggle. There's, there's a calling in the catastrophe. There's understanding in every one of your upsets. You'll have understanding, but only if you can endure the upset. I'm gonna just give you this one. That heartbreak, it's actually just your homework. God's trying to teach. He said, oh my God, Jesus. He broke my heart. He's like, I don't know what to do. Okay, calm down, but God's going to teach you something through that. Your character will actually be developed in the troubles, in the trials, in the struggles. Don't try to run away from it. Instead, just say, God, would you run with me through it? Because realize that, that the Bible talks about how we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't plant there. We don't live there. We don't stay there. No, God has a plan to get you through there. And God didn't send that storm your way, but he does have authority and dominion over it. Amen? So let's talk about, uh, look, that's why, and that's why uh, in that song that we were talking about, there's this line. I love the lyric. It says, uh, I'll count the joy in every battle because I know that's where you'll be. See, you can consider it pure joy when you face trials and troubles and struggle of many kind. You can actually look at it and be like, hey, it's fun getting into trouble. Not, not, not because I'm like weird and I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I had this guy walk up to me one time at the gym and, uh, and he was like, wow, you have a lot of tattoos. And I was like, yeah, you know, I have a couple of tattoos. He's like, that's awesome, man. I have some tattoos and you know, they hurt. And I was like, yeah, they, they, they totally hurt. Anyone who tells you otherwise is trying to be macho and is lying to your face. They totally hurt every single one of them. And they're like, yeah, man, like that's crazy. You have a lot, like you must really like pain, huh? I like pain. Do you like pain? I was like. I was like, nah, get away from Like, there's this saying, no pain, no gain. I like the saying, no pain, no pain. I'm like, I don't got to go through no pain. All right, cool. But, like, I know that, like, man, in the midst of my pain and what I go through, God has a purpose. He's got good for me. Man, you need to hear this tonight. God has good plans for you. It might be tough right now, but God has good plans for you. He has good on the other. And God is really good at doing this, taking that bad situation and bringing good out of it. He didn't do it to you, but he knows how to bring good out of it. Amen? Let's talk about temptation for a little bit now, because that's always a fun topic to talk about. Um, in, 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 in this, uh, the term, it's fun getting into trouble, still applies. Like, I'm not the guy that's going to tell you, oh, yeah, like, sin it sucks. It's so late. No, no. Like the Bible even says, oh, sin is actually fun. It's, it's fun to get in that kind of trouble, but it's only fun for a season. Um, James chapter one, verse 12. Let's read verse 12 to 17, 12 to 17. Here's what it says. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, listen to this. Remember, uh, when you are being tempted, do not, everyone say not, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he, I highlighted this, never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from what? Our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So do not be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. The good stuff is the gifts, but 
But see, um, here's the thing that you got to understand about this. Uh, when it comes to sin, when it comes to struggle, when it comes to temptation, I've got really good news for you, okay? You don't have to fight it alone. Like, does anybody else ever feel like, like battling temptation? It's kind of like, kind of like trying to hold a beach ball underwater. It's like, oh gosh, like any moment, uh, and then it like pops up and hits you in the face. You're like, dang it, no, oh, gotta get it back under. Like, uh, and you're just holding it, and you're like, oh my gosh, like at any moment this thing's gonna, it's gonna get back under. It's gonna, oh my gosh, like, and there's no way that you're gonna keep that, like, keep the beach ball underwater forever, right? Well, that's what it feels like when you're fighting this battle alone. Here's, here's the good news. Write this down. Satan loves to make strong people weak, but God loves to make weak people strong. See, you don't even have to depend and endure on your own strength. God will actually give you this spiritual strength that's beyond yourself. So you're not even responsible for enduring it all by yourself. God's not going to leave you alone in this. And let me just correct some bad theology real quick. We just read this. Verse 13 and 14. It says, remember when you're being tempted to do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. He never tempts anyone else. So those of you who think that like God made that girl in that outfit walk by you in order to test you to see, you're going to look in her eyes or you're going to look below the neck. Because I'm just trying, God's up there like, I'm just trying to see if you're in this for real. Like, are you really about this Christian life or are you not? Like, God is not over here trying to tempt you to get you to prove yourself. No, no, James is clear about that. God doesn't tempt anyone. Who tempts us? Our own desires. And in fact, they, they, uh, the word is entice. They entice us. And in the original language, that word entice is like the word bait. It's like bait. Here's the good news about bait. You don't have to take it. The word used there isn't, yeah, and the, and the temptation, it's force-fed. It's like, it's like you're, you're like tied to a chair like a hostage and you're force-fed this time. No, 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 it's like bait. And bait, take it from the vegetarian that never fishes ever in his whole life. Uh, bait is, it's, it's, it's like, it's an option. It's a decision-making moment. It, it hangs in front of you. You say, oh, I can, I can take this or I cannot. Now, if you take the bait, what happens? The hook gets you and then it drags you away. That's exactly the picture we're getting here for sin. You take the bait and you're dragged away. But keep in mind, you don't even have to deny that bait based on your own strength. God will actually give you strength. Furthermore, God will give you a whole ton of options that's way better than the bait. You're over here like, oh man, like this bait looks so appetizing. And God's like, turn around, the Popeye's chicken sandwich is right behind you. I'm a vegetarian again. It's non-applicable to me. Like God, will, so when it comes to bait, no, this is a decision-making moment. See, that's the thing about sin. Sin is a decision where you say, my way or God's way. Now, here's what James knows. James knows, um, James knows that when it comes time to make that type of decision, if you have been through some stuff with God, if you've seen God take you through, what did we just talk about? Troubles, trials, struggles? Well, then you're gonna stick close to God. It's like, think about that one friend. They might be in the room with you right now. They've been through everything with you. They've been through the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. And when, when the rubber hits the road, when the hits the fan, you're like, you're like you and me. If, if, the whole, if, the, if the rest of our high school turns their backs on us, 
you and me, man, as us against the world. See, it's like, it's like Amber, if, you, if, I, if I go to you and I, if I go to you and I do this, what does that mean? Stick tight. Stick tight. <laughs> That's what that means. Uh, we grew up in the hardcore scene where people used to do that and it meant stick tight. And it's like, you, if, if you've had those moments where you're like, I'm going to stick tight. Like, Jesus, you've been through everything with me. Then James knows. See, that's the thing that will help you say, the, this bait is, oh. Because when it's the decision-making moment, you're like, God, you saw me through the death of that family member and you're still with me? This is, oh, God, that is pathetic. That is not even an option to head down that road. When you're at the, when you're at the crossroads of, like, your way or God's way, and you're like, God, you walked me through the divorce of my parents. Like, why would I go that way now? When you're standing at this crossroads, you're like, man, like, God, like, you, you were there when all of my friends left. And you're still here. And now I have the opportunity to go that way or that, oh, here, where else am I going to go? Like, that is not even an option. And that's what James knows. And that's what he's saying. Man, like you, this is why you and Jesus, you got to endure the, the struggles and the troubles together. Because once the temptation comes, that's the thing that says like, oh, well, this is easy to resist. See, you got to give God everything and he can get you through anything. Let's keep moving. Uh, verse number five. If you need wisdom, everyone say wisdom. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. If you're taking notes, write this down. Hard naps and heart attacks. Who loves a hard nap? Like, after school, after church, like, Sunday afternoon naps are fantastic. Um, hard, let's talk about hard naps and heart attacks. Uh, when you need wisdom, when you need advice, where do you go? Where, where, what's your go-to? For most of this generation, it's Google, Instagram, Twitter, your friends, your, boy, your broke boyfriend, your, 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 your broke girlfriend, uh, for some of you, your semi-dysfunctional parents or family, like... And then down the line somewhere, you'll talk to your connect group leader or your pastors. Or, can, I just, can, I just like, can I just throw out, just for your consideration, an idea? Pray first. I know that's like crazy, right? Like so insane. But what if we were to pray first? Look at your neighbor say, pray first. You know, why I think, you know why I think so many people are around here like, man, I don't, like, like struggling in life, not knowing where to go or what to do or how to do it or what life is like, why 51% of all marriages are ending in divorce. I think it's because we got 99% of people open the Instagram app before they open their Bibles in the morning. Like, like, what if we just prayed first? Like, you're like, oh God, like, I don't know what to do. Uh, would you help me? Would you get, that is exactly what James is saying. As if this is crazy. Like, Oh, you need some advice? You need some wisdom? You don't know what to do? No problem. Just pray. And then what is it? And our God will give it to you generously. Isn't it funny how um, he uses the, the analogy of waves and wind? Why? I think it might be because in Mark chapter 4, verse, verse number 35, we see a story 
where, uh, where waves and wind are a part of this narrative where there are some hard naps and a heart attack. Here's what it is. Uh, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, maybe James might have been there. He might not have been there. Either way, he knew, he knew about this story. He knew about this event. And he said, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they, took Jesus, uh, so they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out leaving the crowds behind them, although boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking against the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. That's so funny that it, like, included that. Like, Jesus was sleeping, and he was in a Raiders Snuggie. <laughs> like, why did you have to give the detail that, like, he, he was using a pillow? Like, I think you just want to give you the image. Like, just picture how comfortable and calm Jesus is right now in the middle of this storm. So the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the, the wind and the waves. What did, what did, what did uh, uh, James refer to? What was the analogy he used talking about our doubt? He talked about waves and wind. And, and, and Jesus rebukes the waves and the wind. Silent, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Another version says there was a great peace. Then he asked them, why were you afraid? Do you still have no faith? You ever going through something in your praying, and you just feel like God's taking a hard nap? You're like, God, I've been, I've been left unread by friends, but like being left unread by God is like, this is next level. You ever feel like that? Like you're like over here like, borderline panicking like I will have a heart attack at any minute and you're over here taking a hard nap God like what's going on let me just say in the midst of all this in the middle of this story and talking about all this like if you're not hearing from God right now just remember the last thing that he told you okay just remember the last thing he spoke to you through his word the last thing he spoke to you through a leader through through a moment in his Holy Spirit because the last thing that Jesus spoke to the disciples before the storm hit was was this Let's cross to the other side of the lake. <clears throat> Did you catch that? Jesus said, we're getting to the other side. But they forgot about that the moment the waves and the wind hit. How, how relatable is this? You're like, God, oh, I trust you so much. And then like someone's gossiping about you on, on social media and you're like, God, are you even real? Lord, do you even care that we're going to drown? Like. Isn't it crazy how waves and wind hit and immediately, immediately God's word goes out the window? I would say like, like in terms of doubt, this gives us a really good picture of what he's talking about. Because for many people, they read James chapter 1 and they're like, okay, so don't doubt. So you can never have any doubts about God or anything in life ever. Because if you do, then you're, a waver, you're wavering and you're unsettled and you're probably not saved and you're going to go to hell. So this sucks. No, no, let me just tell you really quick, as your pastor, <clears throat> someone's going to get set free right now. This is exactly why you're here tonight and what you need to know. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to have your doubts. Does anybody else ever have those, like, like 2 a.m. laying in your bed and you can't, like, sleep thoughts and you're like, what if God's not real? And what if, like, what if after this it's just, it's just all done? And, like, you're like, Oh man, it is crazy. Like we all have, can I just say, like we all have those crazy thoughts. That's not the doubt that we're talking about here. The doubt, the doubt that we're talking about, he, James says, is the type of doubt that has you wavering. 
has you switching back and forth between, that's why he says, between the world and God. The world and God. And you're like, God, you have my life. But cute boy, you have my heart. Like, that's wavering, right? Like, God, I trust you with my time, but not my money. God, I trust you. I trust you with my family, but not my friends. God, and because, God, I don't even know when it comes to, like, my future relationship if you even have good plans for me. You're wavering back and forth. Earlier when I was explaining this to David, one of our guys, David, was in my office, and I was talking to him about this, and I was in my office chair, and I was, like, swiveling back and forth, and I was, like, kind of, like, considering bringing my office chair, like, this is, this is the doubt that we're talking about. Someone who says, like, God, eh, no, world, yeah, God, world, God, world. And, like, I was literally getting dizzy and felt disoriented. And I was like, oh, this is like the waves and the wind that James is talking about. The type of doubt that becomes the wind in your sails that gives you the direction to your life. The type of waves that carry you so far away from God's plan for your life that you don't even know what's next. That's the type of doubt we're talking about. So know this. If you've ever had a moment of doubt, like, oh, man, like, is God real? Is he not? Like, you are not going to hell for it, okay? But here's what you got to know. Jesus had the, the dominion and the authority over physical waves and wind. He has the same authority over your waves and wind called doubt, those moments. It's saying, God, take all my doubt. There was this moment in the New Testament where this guy comes to Jesus, and he says, hey, um, I need this miracle, I need healing, and, and, and I think that you can, I think that you, if, if, if you can, if you can, would you bring the miracle? And then Jesus says, if? If I can, like, don't you know that all things are possible to those who believe? Well, do you believe? And then the guy says, yeah, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Isn't that a weird way to respond? Yeah, I believe, but all, like, kind of. I kind of do, like... I kind of don't. You ever have someone ask you, like, hey, uh, you want to go, you want to go get canes? And you're like, I kind of do. I kind of don't. Like, ah, yes and no. No, but also yes. Ah, I don't know. Like, uh, that's where this guy was. He was like, hey, I have faith and I have doubt. But here's what he does. He says, I'm going to give you my doubt. You deal with that. Help me, help me with my unbelief so that I can base my life on my belief. And that guy received a miracle that day. That's exactly what you need to do with your doubt. Because remember, if you give God everything, he can get you through anything. So you just give God your doubt too. Oh, I don't know. That's fine. Just give it to God. And he'll take that, and you'll be able to walk in this level of peace. Amen? Band, would you guys start heading up? Because if not, I'll just keep talking. There's so much in the book of James. One more highlight moment that I want to talk about tonight. We're not going to be on this point long. We're going to be closing the... Your, your trays are up, your seat's in the upright position, the landing gear's out, we're, we're getting ready to end this thing right now. Um, your, your chair, anyone ever been on a plane? Like your recline is like, ah, <laughs> oh, really, uh, ready for a good nap. <laughs> like, it's terrible. James chapter one, verse, verse 26, it says, if you, this is, this is the straightforward James right here. If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you don't control your words, you're, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Like, swear up then, James. What's up? Like, you're questioning me and what I believe in? What? That's exactly what he's doing. 
And he says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God our Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. The last thing I want to talk about is um, snitches give stitches. You ever hear the saying, snitches get stitches? Um, I'm saying snitches give stitches. Here, here's what I mean. Um, straightforward James is telling you that if you don't control your tongue, that you're actually just snitching yourself out. See, you thought that like when you go into that group and you're gossiping about that person and you're sharing all the news that you know that nobody else knows, you thought you were exposing them, but you're actually just exposing yourself and you're exposing your own heart condition. And James said, if that's, if that's, your, if that's your thing, if that's how you walk, if that's how you talk, well then I'm just gonna give it to you straight. You're not fooling anybody else, but you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. So let me ask you this question. How do you talk? Let me say it like this. What words come out of your mouth? Are they typically positive or are they typically negative? Are they typically good or are they typically evil? Is it typically life or is it typically death? Now again, we're not saying you have to be perfect every time. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about, by and large, your words will be the thing that snitches you out in what's in your heart. But then it also causes wounds in those around you. You damage people with your words. Snitches give stitches. Proverbs 18 verse number 21 says, the tongue has the power of life or death. Those who love to talk will reap its consequences. As I'm closing tonight, um, a while back when I was doing, when I was a youth pastor in Lake Elsinore, I had a, had a student named Rudy that came into our group and I loved Rudy, man. He, he was my boy. Like he was like a little brother to me and I kind of just really brought him close and Rudy came from a pretty dysfunctional family and his home life was pretty messy and and uh, one time we were at a conference in Arizona and we did this hike on the last night of the conference up this mountain called Prayer Mountain. We're at the top, we're overlooking all of Phoenix. It was gorgeous, it was a summer night, um, great night. And, and Rudy began to tear up, which was really like out of the norm for, for Rudy. And he said, Corey, um, I don't know if you know this, but you're the first person to ever tell me they're proud of me. Fast forward a couple years, uh, it's my last night as a youth pastor in Lake Elsinore, and some of the students, uh, they, were, they were sharing just a little bit about like stories and memories and, and moments spent together and, and what Amber and I had meant to them. And Rudy had said something, he said, Corey, if not for you and Amber, I would have for sure killed myself. I tell you, I really didn't, like, I didn't do much in Rudy's life, but one thing I remember God telling me over and over again was just speak life. And that's why the, the, the phrase, I'm proud of you, I constantly told Rudy that, because I was proud of him and he never got to hear it from anybody else. God tell you, your words have power. Your words have, have meaning. And why did James write this? Like, this seems like really weird, right? Like, troubles, trials, struggles, temptation, the storms of life. And if you need wisdom, ask God. Also, watch your mouth. Like, oh, this is 
But realize, James is the head pastor of the first Christian church in the history of humanity. And he knows from day one that Satan wants to divide and conquer, but God wants to unite and conquer. And I just say, let us as Bridge Youth be a community that with our words, we match the faith we claim to have and will forever be people that build people up and we don't beat people up and we love people with our words and we choose to speak life and not death, amen? So I wanna challenge you. How are you speaking? How are you talking? Tonight, uh, through God's word, through the book of James, um, we've been challenged on a few things. And, and we're gonna quickly hit those, those challenges tonight, just one by one. And the first is this. Some of you are like straight up in a storm. And I've heard some of your guys' stories and like it breaks my heart to see and to hear what some of you guys have to go through at your age. And, and the word troubles, like you're like, that's me. Tragedy, that's me. Struggle, that's me, I'm there. And I can't help but to think that there's some people in the room who you're like, I've been trying to like do this all by myself and alone and I just can't. And you're right, because you were never meant to do it by yourself. God actually wants to walk with you. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego met Jesus in a fiery furnace, you can meet Jesus in the middle of your storm tonight. Maybe tonight you've been saying yes to every temptation every desire you've ever had. When it was God's way or your way, you've been going your way all the way. And you're realizing that this has brought you to a place of brokenness. And you're like, I, I gotta turn from this. It's never too late. Jesus never said, uh, behave and get saved. No, he just said, believe and receive. It's that easy. You can be forgiven tonight. Your sins can be washed away. And in the middle of your storm, Jesus can come and meet you. Here's the first challenge. Do you need to give your life to Jesus tonight? You need to give your heart to God in the middle of your storm, in the middle of all the mistakes you've made. You don't have to get yourself right. You don't got to get rid of your own sin. You don't got to get your act together. Jesus said, come just as you are. So tonight, if that's you, you're going to have that opportunity. You're going to have that moment right here, right now. Every single head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you would say, that's me, Corey. My life is a storm. I'm in a, I'm in a whirlwind. I'm in a tornado. I'm in a I got so much going on in my life right now that I, I just, I don't know which way is up and which way is down. And Corey, you, 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 you use words like depression and I immediately relate with that. And, and I'm realizing I can't get through life on my own. Can I challenge you tonight? Give Jesus a shot. Take a chance on Jesus. If that's you, in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to do something really brave. I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna, when I get to three, I just want you to stand to your feet. If you're someone who said, man, I've, I've struggled with temptation, I've sinned, I wanna turn from that, this, this call is for you as well. This is your moment, this is your night, this is your time. If you would say, I wanna invite God into my life, right into my storm, right in my moment, I'm gonna ask you, when I get to three, you just stand to your feet. No one's looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. This is your moment, this is your time. Don't wait, don't hesitate. One, two, three, right now, stand up. Right now, stand up. Anybody else? Don't worry about it. No one else is looking around. It's just me. Anybody else? Man, I'm so proud of you guys. Come on. It's the best decision you'll ever make with your life. Anybody else? We're going to wait one more moment. Just stand to your feet right where you're at. Man, this is so awesome. This is so awesome. You just, look, you're not saying yes to me. You're not saying yes to a club or a church. You're saying yes to God. You're saying, God, I... 
I want you to write the next chapters of my story. Anybody else? Amazing. All right, you guys stay standing for a moment. I want to pray for you. I want to talk with you. I want a moment with you right now. I'm going to ask you to do something really, really brave, all right? I want you guys to get out of your chairs. Come meet me down at the front right now. Come on. Get out of your chairs. Come meet me at the front right now. I'm with you guys. Nobody's looking around. No one's, no, no one's, you got to push them out of your way. You do that. I'm, with, I'm here with you. I just want to chat with you. I want to pray with you right now. Come on. Anybody else? Awesome. Awesome. I like your tank top. You don't like drive a lifted truck and take up two parking spots, do you? Okay. Hey, anyone else? If you, hey, if you are standing in a moment, we're gonna, we're gonna have some people go and, and meet uh, some people in the foyer. You guys go. If you are standing and you know you gotta be down here, you come down here. Can I just say, like, you guys, I'm so proud of you. That is the best decision you'll ever make with your life. I'll promise you that. There's like a ton of decisions in my life that I've made, but I absolutely, dude, I'm so proud of you, man. Let's go. Ladies, good on you. Proud of you. First off, like, who cares what people think, right? Um, there's a lot of decisions I've made in my life. Proud of you, girl. Let's go. There's a lot of decisions I've made in my life that I've regretted. The decision you're making, I've never regretted this one. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to pray, and, like, maybe you've never prayed before in your life. That's cool. It's just talking to God. But I'm going to give you the words. And we're going to repeat them. Everyone's going to pray together because we're a family. And, like, in a moment, you're going to see that this family is so stoked for you. Like, I can see they're, like, like shaking in their seats, ready, ready to celebrate you. They just want to clap and yell and scream because that's how excited they are for you, right? Um, but we're going to pray. I'm going to give you some words, and then we just want to connect with you. So uh, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Just repeat these really simple words right after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, everyone praying together. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. Right in the middle of the storm, I declare that I need you. I can't do it on my own. I'm gonna follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Don't go crazy yet, Bridget.